You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy. Hi, you're listening to Happiness Hub with me, Kedron Elliott, and my co-presenter... It's me, Liz Parkin. Hello, Liz. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing this week? Oh, I'm very good. It seems like ages since I've seen you. But yeah, I'm very good this week, apart from it being a little bit damp outside. Mm, It's getting that way. There's a forecast for snow later. I'm not a fan of snow. No, it looks pretty, but it's just inconvenient. Bit of a pain. Especially in your neck of the woods. You've got to come over hills and things to get here, haven't you? (laughs) Not quite. Like like Postman (laughs) Patland. (laughs) And that's a bit further on Macclesfield, isn't it? I'm getting confused with. (laughs) So what have you been up to this week? You always ask me that and I'm always unprepared. I don't, uh, oh, I have been trying to get my assignment finished. I'm halfway through now and just getting feedback from my tutor. uh, tutor. So I've got an exam date for the 4th of January. So that's what I've been really working on this week. An exam date for the 4th of January? Yeah. Ooh, so what does an exam mean? It just means that's the date I need to submit my portfolio and they, they all look through it and mark it. Oh, I see. So you don't actually sit down and write no, an exam no, I just like need to, when they, we were at they need to have everything that in front ah. of them in order to market. So that's what I've been doing. Ah, very good. Okay. Well, um, good job we don't have to sit down because I think if I had to do an exam on the fourth of January, I'd be hungover because they seem to last four days now. I'm getting old. <laughs> would be neither use an ornament. Yes. <laughs> what have you been up to this week? Um, well, what have I been up to? Kitchen is still in progress, but we are now mm, 90% there. I have an oven functioning and a hob, but no kitchen sink. Okay. So still eating out the microwave. I got very excited and I did a lovely big roast dinner with all the bits and bobs and everything. And then I had to come to wash up the vegetable roasting tin in the downstairs toilet to sink oh god no 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 no, not in the downstairs (laughs) so as you can imagine it's about three inches deep and you can hardly get it underneath the tap Mm. so I got quite frustrated so until we get water running in the sink which will probably be another week or at least another five days uh it's back to microwave dinners and hot pot dinners Okay, that kind of leads me on to my next question about homework that we had for last week when we had Janie in talking about nutrition. Have you managed to create anything new in your microwave this week (laughs) in terms of a delicious, nutritious meal? You see, I think we spoke about the um, Amelia Freer nutritionist book and I have been really enjoying that. I've actually, I asked for her course for Christmas. She does 30 videos and um, you can download them all and the various people that I asked for said I'm not getting you that for Christmas I was like all right then fine I'll buy it myself so I've bought it myself so what I have been doing is watching her short videos online and they've been really really interesting all sorts of things from we haven't even got really onto actually cooking or any actual recipes yet but she's talked all about different nutrition how she organizes her kitchen how she organizes her vegetable garden I mean she's got a whole vegetable garden I've just got a veggie patch but I can still see next year how much more organised my veggie patch will be. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, I have done a couple of things from her book and I've also eaten very nice lentil dal. Yes, that I made for you. You made for me. Mm, I'm a big fan of curry. In fact, you lent me that Amelia Freer book and I cooked an aubergine and chickpea curry yeah that was really nice well interesting one of her videos says you should have oh god i can't was it three or four basic things that you need to master one of them was a curry just Mm -hmm. master a curry sauce and she gave you gives you all the ingredients and the other one i think was a like a tomato base and i obviously wasn't paying enough attention because i can't remember what the other one was but i will (laughs) that's the beauty of it being on video i can watch it back 
<laughs> so um yeah i've been watching those so that when my kitchen is all nice and lovely and all my little kilner jars with all my sauces and spices are in are all on the wall i'll just have this amazing kitchen that you're going to come and cook in no, i was going to say i'm looking forward to coming around for dinner and you're going to cook me something you're I'm gonna, doing the cooking am i well okay. you're going to do a vegan christmas cookery thing aren't you for I our am. buddies buddy's night yes in a couple of weeks time you keep asking me to do it so i'm doing uh, easy veganism and i'm going to make some easy vegan christmas treats for the whole family can enjoy fabulous i should look forward to that where have you been today kedrin have we been today? Oh, we've been down to Red Row today, housing estate in Nantwich. Um, they have housing development, darling. Sorry, housing development. Only, it's very dead res. Only because my mum lives there, she keeps <laughs> reminding me it's not an estate; it's a development. <laughs> and we've been having our photo taken with the Red Row uh, chaps down there because they've sponsored our website website for yes. Nantwich buddies. Thank you very much indeed to Red Row, and uh, we do really appreciate your support. We had some a very fun photo shoot in the rain. Yes. We did. So, umbrellas. Indeed. Socially distanced. So, other than that, I think that is all my news. Okay. I think we should introduce our guest. We should. She's been sitting here very patiently listening to us chops on. (laughs) So, uh, today we have, oh, I'm very excited to actually meet you today because we've spoken very often over Zoom and things, and it's nice to actually see you in person. Hi. It's very nice to meet you in person as well. And I'm, I'm familiar with the faces on Facebook and so on, all the pictures and that sort of thing. And it's just lovely to see you both here today. Lovely. Thank I you. think we should say it's Annie Taylor yes, as I'm well. I'm just about to get round to that. For the neck. Yes, so our guest today is the gorgeous Annie, Annie Taylor, who is a life coach. And Annie, you've been kind enough to actually do a workshop for our buddies a little while ago on being your best, which was fantastic. Thank you. I really enjoyed that as well. And I, I just think it's a subject that's really close to my heart, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think that When we talk about and think about being at our best, we tend to think of it as for a specific occasion rather than the stuff that we do every day, going Mm. to work, you know, picking up the kids, cooking that delicious lentil dal or whatever, you know, just about being present so that we can give our best to whatever it is we're doing. Did you do some kind of preparation for when you were coming here today to be your best? Because I know you said you were like, oh, I'm a bit, a little bit nervous, not done this before, but... Yeah, I do tend to get nervous. People are always surprised. I do tend to get nervous doing new things. It's just part of who I am, really. But it means that I like to give sufficient thought to what I'm doing. So it means that I'll give a bit of consideration about how I want to present myself, what I might want to be talking about, what you two might want from me and what anybody else might might need as well. Mm-hmm. It just puts me in that place of feeling ready. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm not very good at that because I'm always a bit of a last minute Nelly. Do you know, I was going to say, actually, congratulations, you were on time this morning <laughs> yes. for your photo shoot. And I, I know sometimes I try and cram too much in. And between you and my other half, MJ, for always been late. And it's a lesson I've given myself recently to, to, to take less out of my diary or to not expect too much or just to be more prepared and take that bit of time. And it's amazing how much, you know, you do feel a bit more relaxed mm. about things and you do arrive with a bit of an opportunity to sit in the car and have a few deep breaths and think what the next meeting is going to entail. Going to bring, yeah. Um, I, I need to practice that a little bit more because I feel like I'm rushing from one thing to another and I kind of like, I get here and then I do that. So I go like, I'm here, 
right now what do I need to do <laughs> and uh, so far it kind of it's not I've not come a cropper so far but I believe that at there's some point it's going to bite me in the bum that sort of thing I, I feel a tip coming on if that's okay okay because I, I think what happens is we tend to try and just cram as much as we can into the day very enthusiastically mm. I can be the same I'm always trying to just put a wash on before I scoot off somewhere or do something else because I think it's going to take two minutes Mm -hmm. actually it doesn't yeah and so what I tend to dish out to quite a few people is something called my 24 hour reality check it's so basic it's almost embarrassing but you know what it works and it is a sheet of paper Mm -hmm. with 24 boxes on that sheet of paper blank boxes and each box represents one hour in your day Once you put in time for sleeping, for going to work, that sort of thing, a lot of your day is already gone. You'll find there are very few boxes left. And already at that stage, I get a look from people that's like, oh my goodness, there's not very much time left Mm. in my day. No, of course there isn't. Mm. And that's why you end up cramming. Put in their reactive time as well. So depending on what your job is like or what your life is like, you may need to allow an hour, two hours, even three hours as reactive time, depending on what your lifestyle is and what your job is. And then, please, people, don't forget to put in time for things like nipping to the loo, picking up the phone, there's a knock at the door, someone's leaving a delivery, you need to handle that. All of those things take up time. And before you know it, if you don't plan for that, that reactive time as well, Mm. before you know it, you're running late, you're rushing to the next thing, worrying about whether the lights are going to be red or green. And you don't have to be that way. You can just take the pressure off a little Mm. bit. Yeah. It is, isn't it, when you um, you said it's simple, but it's just physically doing that. And although that might take time, again, it's going to save you time during the day, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe I, that could be our homework. I think, well, week. I think that's a really good idea because I think it's about being mindful of what, how long is something going to take? For an example, we were together for this photo shoot at Red Row, what, an hour ago. And I said, we'll come back here. I knew that I had time to go and drop off a tropic order, to go and see the roadside board that's come down. I just wanted to make sure I could do that. I wanted to do it actually before we went to Red Row, but I got to the traffic lights and thought, hey, uh, no, I'm not going to manage to shoehorn that in. And I don't want to be late for this person that I haven't met before. I'll be late for Kedring, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, I suppose that's O-wing, isn't it? Yeah. The amount of times I've been late for you. <laughs> but it's... Um, but I just wanted to and I'm very much more mindful and it it happens a lot with my husband he will always just try and do one more thing do one more thing do one more thing or leave five minutes to get everywhere even if that's a 25 minute journey I'm like but that is not healthy MJ (laughs) so and you you drive like a nutter and you and I just so I'm becoming more aware MJ doesn't listen to this podcast he's always getting in here bashing from you (laughs) but yeah I do think it's nice to and even though he'll say it to me oh well you know we've been he'll notice when when it works you know I've been Mm. calmer or we've arrived in a good time or oh we're ready for our guests to come around like yeah Yeah. I wonder how that's happened (laughs) so we have got slightly straight into things but Annie tell us a little bit about yourself so you've been you moved to Nantwich about two years ago and then you set up your own life coach 
coaching business but you've been a life coach for a lot longer you said you think you said to me you've always been a life coach so tell us a bit how that came about and what do you love about it someone said I was a born life coach uh-huh. and I loved that because I, I thought yeah you know what I have always been doing this as l- probably as you know as far back as school we you know there mm. are people that are the go-to's to help fix help resolve help people work out their stuff and so I was just one of those and when I went to work I was the go-to for all of that stuff and I've done I've done a huge a huge variety of jobs in in my life but the key thing that ran through all of those was somehow being sort of pinpointed as the person that could help people sort stuff out personal staff, professional staff, organisational staff, help them get their heads around what it was they needed to be doing to help them move forward and achieve whatever it was they wanted Mm -hmm. to achieve. And it was, you know, a long time, a long time later that I went to work for a firm of business consultants and discovered that they were coaches. And I felt as though my mouth fell open. Mm -hmm. They presented to me in at my interview and I thought oh my goodness people are getting paid (laughs) to do the stuff that I've been doing all along by then I'd already I'd already formed a kind of structured a way of working with people I had people coming to me for interview preparation and for me that wasn't about what do the people want to hear about how I can do the job that was about aligning yourself with the right with your values how that fits with what the company is looking for so that when you present yourself you're presenting yourself as this authentic person as a unit where everything fits everything's aligned and you then can be at your best Mm -hmm. so anyway I got my qualifications and it was only when we moved up here to Cheshire that I decided I I would give it my all. How did you know that you were good at it and and how do you measure that now because I know you said you just people recognized you had that talent and you were able to help them out that how do you kind of measure it and how did you you know realize that it was something that you were good at? So the measurement always comes from the results Mm -hmm. that the individual gets now coaching in coaching you can only take someone so far what they do after that session is entirely up to them and I have no control and no coach has any control over what that person does then but the measurement as I see it is for them to come back and say okay yes I went out with the intention of doing this I've cleared these limiting beliefs now I've got myself aligned I know what my purpose is I'm happy I'm ready to go I'm confident and I'm doing it And it's them ticking their boxes Mm -hmm. that then ticks mine in Mm -hmm. turn. That tells me then that I'm a good coach. The way that you described it there sounds quite like, I'd say, a confidence thing. So it's getting them to believe that they can do it. There's that saying, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. So is that a big part of coaching people, making them know that they can do it or getting them to know that they can? Confidence is a really big part of it. And some people can look confident to others, but their inner confidence, and that's when we talk about self-esteem, self-worth, might be a bit lacking. And so inside they have doubt. I want to do this, but I'm not sure if... A, I can, or B, I deserve it, or C, what happens if I'm suddenly successful? I don't know how to handle that. Mm. I'm used to living with disappointment. I'm used to saying I want to, 
I'm not used to saying I've got it yeah, or I've yeah. done it. And I suppose there's always the fear of, like you said, about deserving it, which is, is another layer to it, but also, you know, once you've done it, losing it again. Because yes. that can be a, something that scares people as yes. well. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And there are certain people that will create something wonderful and actually then proceed to destroy it. Yes. And <sighs> so they, they'll all have their own beliefs. They'll all have their own systems that, that they work with very well because, you know, let's face it, we've all practiced these things for our whole lives. We've taught ourselves very well, you know, how to succeed or how not to succeed. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be the go-to. Yeah, because it's your normal, isn't it? Yeah. Is any ring of this ringing any bells of you? Because I'm just thinking about my portfolio. It's way overdue for me getting qualified. And I've been in this head, and Liz has said to me just last, last week, what are you scared of? Are you scared of, like, getting qualified and being a counsellor? Are you scared of failing to get in? And there's something there mm. It definitely rings bells with me. Yeah, no, I think it's really important to to remember what you said about whether you can or you can't you're always right that was something I learned many years ago on my NLP course I know you're an NLP practitioner yourself Annie and that was it's all about that switch going off in your head and changing the way you believe about yourself the way you internalize things the way you know you see things and and you have to take responsibility and that's probably the biggest shift that I've had over the years is knowing that it's it's all about me at the end of the day it's it's not the outsiders it's it's about me and how I see myself and how I think and internalize what is said to me Mm -hmm. that holds me back or pushes me forward yeah I think it is for a lot of people and it's wonderful, actually, that as soon as you take responsibility for where you are mm. and what you've got, you're then in a position to change it. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Definitely. In your practice now, you're an NLP trainer, therapist, NLP practitioner, sorry. Is that kind of the main model that you use or do you do you have other? Do you bring in CBT? Do you bring in other kind of structures so yes, I, I am an NLP and timeline therapy practitioner. I dip in and out of those as necessary. So somebody might have coaching sessions where, you know, that simply doesn't feature either at all or for quite some time. So my way of working with people always begins with, let's find out what it is they really want, mm. not necessarily the stuff that they're telling us they want. Yeah. Mm. But the stuff they really want, the stuff that really matters to them. And I tend to use just a a really tough, really challenging sometimes questions. I'll pick up on when someone is simply talking to me. I'm very happy for people to ramble because I'll pick up on their language and their body language Mm. and I'll be able to start to identify some little themes or some little areas that we need to dig a bit deeper on Mm. and let's start really beginning to understand what's going on. How does that fit Mm. with what you're saying you want? Mm -hmm. It's a bit like counselling. We talk talk very much about looking for those non-verbal signs, but also I remember one of my supervisors talking about it's a bit like a breadcrumb trail always reminds me of is it Hansel and Gretel and like while your client whatever shape or form it is is talking to you they're leaving this little trail of things that they don't know that they're doing but you're picking up on and then you have to go back and go what what's that there we need to have a look into it a little bit yeah (laughs) it's it's lovely actually that some people will say in a session how how do you know how Mm. how did you and I say well you told me 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My other half always says to me, he says, don't use that voodoo magic stuff on me. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> you go, woo woo. <laughs> My husband's look, look still, my eyes. My husband still yeah. wonders if he's been hypnotised. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't use hypnotherapy. I'm qualified, but I don't use it. That'd be useful. Maybe you could try that on MJ. I remember when I, was, when I first qualified years and years ago, and I'd, someone said to me, oh, don't, don't, you, don't you be doing that NLP on me. And I'm like, don't think I'm doing any NLP on you I'm just sort of the way I communicate the way I've changed it's it's reflecting and it's rubbing mm. off but I'm not actually doing anything on you mm, yeah. <laughs> put them in a nervous People can position. be a bit scared about it can't yeah they? yeah so you're obviously passionate about what you do because I can I can see listeners can't see you but you're smiling and you know the way that you're talking about it what what do you really love about life coaching I think for me it's quite hard to leave stuff alone. Okay. I, I kind of see potential all over the place. And if somebody, if somebody gives me the opportunity to work with them, yeah, of course I love that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it meddling? They're giving me, they're giving me the chance to meddle a little bit, maybe. You're being I, I'm being to given, yeah, yeah, I'm being given permission to meddle, and it's those results. I mean, at the moment, it's all online, but when you see somebody walking towards you in a different way, when they're holding themselves mm. differently. Mm. They look taller. They somehow look. You know that when you've been on holiday and you come back and you're all relaxed and you feel you just I feel can great. Remember don't you? that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Distant memory. And everyone says, "Wow, what have you had done?" Oh, I've just had a few weeks off or whatever. But for the client to have made these connections and starting to make the progress, which is empowering for them mm. as they start to take small steps, their confidence builds. So yes. They do look different. Other people can spot it. And I love that. I love seeing a client return to me and noticing for myself, just noticing visibly that there's a positive change. Yeah, must be very rewarding because you've made a real difference to somebody's life. Yeah, I mean, how can it get any better than that? Yeah, visibly being able to do that. That was one of the things that I really loved about being a Slimming World consultant. I'm sorry, I know I keep banging on about this on the podcast, when you talked about being a coach I think I'm a a person who is a helper and you know when you do like um, Myers-Briggs or insights training and stuff and I always come out in the green area and a little bit of the yellow being somebody who's a a teacher a helper never the leader always somebody that sits in the background but helps everybody along and that's one thing I really loved about Swimming World is that you had people that came in with all this potential people who were not only that their weight was affecting their mental their confidence and things and yeah you can't do it for them similar with coaching but you can give them the tools and empower them or or I used to say to people sometimes people just need one person to believe in them and if they've got that one person who believes in them then they kind of take that and run with it and I always remember there was one lady who joined me right at the beginning I think second week I was a Swimming World consultant and I did it for five years and she lost something like five and a half stone but it wasn't just the physical appearance obviously the weight that she'd lost but she was like a completely different person she wouldn't say boo to a goose when she first came in used to sit at the back of the room by the time she'd lost all of that she was on the social team she was weighing everybody that came Mm. in which is the most difficult job because you know people are going to get on their scales and you don't know what their reaction is going to be and she was just like a completely different woman and it took years off her as well it's wonderful i I mean, yes, the the visible difference is reward in itself, Mm. isn't it? But, you know, weight is a very particular 
issue mm-hmm. isn't it yeah. and a question that always interests me is why are we choosing to carry that it's a buffer and there's lots so, of different reasons isn't there yes yeah. most definitely and I think there's a it's so important to understand the need to to get rid of that you know mm. is it is it just that you want to fit into a certain dress or something or is there something more to it and I think for a lot of us there is something more to it mm-hmm Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, with Slimming World, you can't, in the way that we do our groups, you, you can't go to the le- that level of detail. You're just there to give them tools and advice and encouragement to get to where they want to be, but not really dig into reasons why. Mm. Yeah. But it's support, isn't it? And that's oh, yeah. what everybody needs when you're trying to make change in life. We all need a bit of support. Mm. Mm. I remember, and before I carry on, I will apologise for the background noise. There's some work being done in this building that we weren't informed about, but we will uh, address that when we finish. Um, When I did my NLP practitioner course about 15 years ago, it was a a one-week intense, so there's a whole group of us all working together. And the days when we did various techniques... And we would talk through the various techniques. We did a bit of timeline therapy. We, the biggest thing we all noticed was that change in people. Their eyes were sparklier. They stood taller. The, the colour in the cheeks had changed. Their shoulders. It, one guy, you know, you could see how hunched up he was. And then by the end of the week, you're like, oh, so you're, you're not coat hanging band anymore. You've got your broad shoulders. You, and it was just incredible to see that. And I always remember that team of people. And some of them I'm still in touch with and, and many of them I'm not. But I just remember the, the reactions we all had to each other when we all dealt with those layers of SH1T that we were trying to deal with. Yeah, great. And sorry, the dog might bark. He can hear some noise going on in the background. So you, you touched briefly on some of the methods that you used and you talked a little bit about NLP. But what kind of other things would your coaching entail if somebody was to come and see you? What kind of methods would you use and how would that kind of work? I work a lot with goal planning. Okay. And the wonderful thing about goal planning is that you can put anything you want in there, be it a professional goal, personal stuff, so weight loss might be mm-hmm. in there, a house move might be in there, a kitchen refurbishment <gasps> yeah. might be in there. <laughs> Fini- finishing a portfolio, Absolutely, could that be there? that might be in <laughs> I there. Could do, I could do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the goal planning thing. Now, I, I think of it more as goal achievement, actually. It's a goal achievement plan because I use... Well, it's interesting you don't say goal setting, which is mm. a, it's planning. It's not setting that goal. I guess setting that goal is, that, is the end, but I like the term planning. Yeah, and, and I use questioning techniques with uh, with clients. I use some timeline therapy, some NLP. So there's a little bit of a mishmash in there, a little mm-hmm. fusion, if you will. Fusion. <laughs> um, and what happens is they make an emotional connection to the logical stuff. They align what it is they want. They align those goals with the rest of life so that it makes sense. Because mm-hmm. we can all we can all go sort of make lists. It's lovely to make lists at the beginning of the year or whatever, isn't it? I'm yeah. going to do this and this is how I'm going to do it. The missing piece is quite often the connection between the emotional and the logical stuff. Once they've done that and, and you can fit anything in there, they create the steps to how they're going to achieve those goals Mm. and using timeline therapy and Liz you'll know this love timeline therapy 
it's basically like sitting on a magic carpet and traveling back and forth in time and taking the benefits from hindsight Mm -hmm. Mm. who wouldn't want that if we could go ahead a year from now and look back and say i wish i'd known that this might be an issue because Mm. i could have done something about it so you create a, a goal achievement plan with the benefit of hindsight and that means that all the steps you put in place, you've, you've pretty much done half the work anyway mm. mm-hmm. by then. It makes achieving your goal a lot easier. I'm not saying there will be no challenge because when we move forward, when we're wanting to achieve things, we have to take steps forward. And you know what it's like when, when you're going on a journey, especially one you haven't done before. Mm-hmm. There will be a few bumps in the road. Sure. But a lot of the other stuff you can iron out before you set off. Mm-hmm. And so your goal, your goals become achievable. So mm-hmm. it's rather than just goal setting, mm-hmm. I want. It's a step-by-step plan. Mm-hmm. And this is something that really, really excites me. It's such a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. I always remember when we were doing this goal setting, as we called it then, we drew a starting point of an aeroplane dot and there's your it's horizontal line from there there's your end there's your end goal but if that airplane starts off five degrees out of sync out of line that's fine but as that five degrees goes along a straight line suddenly your airplane is a million miles from where the actual goal is along that straight line and I always hold that in my mind because it helps me to yes your line can be up and down up and down up and down and you will get there but at least if you keep readdressing and coming back down to where you need to be on that as you said plan then I think that's really helpful definitely and as for my kitchen yes I did plan it down to the last meal that I cooked (laughs) and which cupboard everything was hidden into (laughs) I think you're very good at that sort of thing though so for me and this kind of ties in with the next question I want to ask you about is I've always been a bit of a drifter and so I've never really been like, this is where I'm going with my life. I've never really known what I want to do until, you know, becoming a counsellor. I realised that's what I wanted to do. And I loved being a Slimming World consultant because I was helping people. But say if someone was listening and they were really struggling with knowing where their life was going and what goals they wanted to achieve, what kind of things could they do to get them on the right path? I mean, obviously come to see you, but I'd I'd imagine most clients that come to see you already have a goal in mind. Funnily enough, not all of them. Mm -hmm. I do have clients that come and say, I don't know what I want. I just know I don't want what I've got now. And that's a good enough starting point. Knowing what you don't want is fine. We can go from there. Mm -hmm. So uh, my job is to make it easy for them to start to identify what they want in life and I love a conversation with them where I can say okay look just imagine that the picture of your life is you know turned into a blank canvas we've just erased everything and you're starting again from scratch what is it you want to put on that canvas is there anything from the life you have now that you want to include Mm -hmm. what are those things and Often clients will worry about, oh, I, I don't know if I can not include this because I do a lot of that. And, and so, okay, no, don't worry about that for now. Mm. We're just creating a picture of what you really want. Then we're going to add some other stuff in there. Then we're going to look at your life priorities, not the priorities that are expected of you, but the priorities that matter to you. Mm. It's, it's confidential. They can say anything. Nobody mm. else needs to know 
anything about what goes on that canvas, but it starts to help them to shape a picture of the life that they want. You can't achieve the life you want if you don't know what it looks like. No, of course you can't, no, because you don't know what you're working towards. Mm. And I suppose the thing that that I thought when you talked about that is people will think too much about it. So you talked about uh, journaling earlier before we started recording, but it's like not censoring yourself. So you have your canvas, you know, you say, oh, I'd, I'd want like 12 cats in my life, but I can't th- do that because my other half would kick me out of the house and my house is not big enough. But it's like, well well you know just don't worry about that for a moment put that down and then you can revisit it and say well is that feasible stuff so it's not censoring yourself as well I guess yeah that's absolutely right and it's my job to help them expand their vision Mm. expand their thinking because typically we are really good at finding reasons why not to do this so when you're thinking about the end goal Mm -hmm. One of the lovely things to do is just to close your eyes for a moment and take a cleansing breath and just put yourself in the place of that end goal. Imagine what it feels like when you've achieved it. So what does life look like? What are you doing? What are people saying to you? What are the conversations like that you're having? What does the paycheck look like (laughs) if it's a job? What are the family doing? Can you see people smiling around you? Even down to things like, what does the air smell like? So are you out in a coffee bar? Can you smell freshly ground coffee? What food can you smell? All of these kind of things. In NLP, we call all of this, it all relates to the submodalities. The tiny little intricate details of what success looks like and if you can picture that and I always say just breathe that in just spend a few moments in that place and just breathe that in and absorb it it helps you it helps it gives you something to aim for you've got a picture then and you've got more of a picture it's like a 3d effect Mm -hmm. with (laughs) smell-o-vision see um what when you were saying that I think it's also allowing us to believe. It's allowing us to put ourselves in that position, whether we think we deserve these things or not, or whether we can achieve them. And giving yourself the ability to dream and go, this is how it's going to feel when I achieve that, when I get there. Because quite often, and I think it's something humans do, is we always think worst case scenario that we're not going to achieve it. It's going to be awful. We're going to try and we're going to fail miserably and fall on our asses and things. So I like that way of like thinking positively about it and putting yourself in that picture and believing you can. Because even just doing that, like you said, breathing it in, it changes the way you think about it. You get those negative feelings or feelings of failure and going, actually, maybe I can. Yeah. And imagining it. Yes, because you're creating a connection between you and your end goal Mm -hmm. and you know what yeah you might fall on your ass a few times (laughs) yeah it doesn't matter we've all heard this it's not how you fall down that matters it's how you get up yeah there is no such thing as failure only feedback yeah we talked about that before haven't we that was my light bulb moment in in managing my nlp course just something as simple as that there is no such thing as failure only feedback and behind every behavior is a positive intention and those two things just changed the way I thought about life and people and things that had happened in the past. 
it's quite powerful really yeah it's powerful stuff so one last question before we ask you about your, what you do for your own um, mental health and things and what makes you happy you touched on it a bit briefly but how have you been helping your clients during lockdown yes well all my coaching was in uh, my beautiful little studio that my husband calls my shed. Oh, how <laughs> it dare is, he? It is so not a shed. Um, <laughs> she sheds through all the things. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love a she shed. So it all was face-to-face on comfortable chairs in that little room. Uh, it, none of that now. It's all online. And it works beautifully. I have some clients that prefer it because instead of having to drive an hour and a quarter or something like that to come and get to me, they've got that extra time for their day. I'll just go back to that 24-hour reality check. (laughs) (laughs) So it's very time efficient. We haven't lost anything. And I'm saying this as someone that, that was a bit of a snob about coaching online prior to lockdown but you know I've tweaked a little bit how I do things I can do that I was coaching before all of this so it's working very well Mm. and people can can book their sessions they can I can do anything with them online it's working brilliantly you're great it's it's great that you said that you were a bit you know you weren't sure about doing it first but it's really changed your mind about doing it and you feel like that you're not losing anything by doing it online and it really matters it matters that the client gets value and it matters that every session is really relevant Mm -hmm. to what they need so I've had to prove to myself that this can work and I'm I'm really happy about it now I'm glad it's glad I just keep working it's good do do you think looking looking to the future what kind of will that be a main focus for you sticking online I know probably it would be nice for you and some clients would want to be in person but are you comfortable with sticking with online as as something that you offer yes so much so it's really changed how I think Mm. and I think when Covid is you know practically a distant memory I will continue to work online and I would love to have people back in my little shed (laughs) (laughs) you could always turn your little shed into an into a proper shed and get some potting plants going on in there (laughs) some seedlings (laughs) you never know i'll have to keep you posted on that (laughs) yeah no i think that's i think it's great i think looking at people that have coped well with the last nine months of lockdown and covid generally the ones that have been more adaptable Mm. and have embraced it and open and seen it as opportunities they're the ones that have survived it the best I think the ones that have resisted and resisted and got quite anxious about it have, mm. have obviously struggled, but they've be, they have resisted doing things differently. They've resisted changing the way they do their shopping. They've resisted accepting they can't see the the, the, the grandchildren or whatever it is. So mm. and that yeah. does make life harder, I think, whatever it is. But actually, I do still go out to my little studio because confidentiality is a big thing in coaching, and my office where I sit and work and I do all sorts of fun things, so writing, catching we spoke about before. Mm. All that sort of stuff is done in the office, which is one of the bedrooms upstairs, spare bedroom upstairs in the house. But when I meet clients, I come out to the studio. It's completely separate. Mm. And I owe that to them because although we're online they still deserve that level of privacy. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And I think it probably helps you to be in that sort Mm. of work environment maybe yeah. you're not they're not in your your space but you're in the right space and then you're in the right frame of mind in your right comfy chair 
that must help you as well yes. deliver a good service yes definitely I lied there is one more question I wanted to ask you before uh, 41 minutes <laughs> yeah okay I'll be my kicky quick um you don't just do life coaching you're also a stylist as well so could I, you tell us a little bit more about that and if you've got plans for that next year as well yes thank you yeah I I am and this fits so beautifully with coaching because for me personal style image consulting if you like is about helping individuals to learn how to express themselves in a way that that works for them for their budget builds their confidence Mm. and helps them to express through what they wear a little bit about their personality before they even need to say anything and I think more than ever now when we're all working on these little boxes on zoom Mm. or wherever we need to be able to build rapport in an instant just through looking at somebody we don't get the opportunity to shake hands or do a little elbow pump or whatever. Uh, we don't necessarily get to say anything if somebody else is introducing the meeting. We don't have that time of walking in to a room with somebody. So the way that we look needs to be a really accurate expression of who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something I'm quite interested about. And also, I think we need to get you back on to talk about that in a separate podcast because the way that you present yourself has got a lot to do with kind of your mental health and, and your confidence as well so Annie tell us now what kind of things make you happy and what do you do for better mental health I'm such a cheap date okay so (laughs) (laughs) me too I I need very little to make myself happy Uh I love to have my family around I have the most amazing husband and a beautiful wonderful daughter just being with them being able to cozy up in the evening have some good food that's all I need to keep myself happy it's really good quality connection with the people that I love and my mum's down in Surrey that's where I'm from and so is my sister and having time just online having a meeting with them online and just being able to see their faces is just awesome at the moment Mm. being able to do that without you know without the four-hour journey I I just love that to see their smiling faces on that screen that just really makes me happy I do, as everybody does, have down days, days where I feel like my energy is a bit low. I need to shut myself off a bit. I listen to that. Mm -hmm. If my diary will allow me to take some time out and just care for myself, just be kind for myself, put some cosy socks on and Uh, and relax with a nice cup of tea and a book or some space to think, I take that because we have to feed ourselves the right stuff to stay healthy for everybody else mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and it's self-care isn't it and noticing when you're feeling like that and taking action as well because sometimes we can ignore it i think i posted something on our happiness hub group the other day about how you know when we're in that sort of space we kind of forget to look after ourselves yeah it was a self-soothing one because um, I remember when I was not in a good place one time and I went to a counsellor and she said to me, what, what are you doing at the moment to self-soothe? And I was like, uh, nothing. I can't, I can't think mm. what I'm doing. So it's just making sure you make that time. That's why I, I downloaded Amelia Freer's video course because I'm not good at making time to read. And I've been enjoying reading her book and flicking. And the first bit said, you know, how to, how to use this book. We do recommend that you read the beginning bit to build up and lay the foundations for this new healthy whatever and I thought I'm not very good at reading and I'll look at the menus and the recipes and I'll look at the picture and whatever but downloading the video has actually really made me sit down and walk away from where MJ's got the television on no I'm going to go and watch my videos and that's been really good because I've had 
a good 15 minutes every day for the last week where I've not been interrupted, done something for myself. And that does sound a bit mad that it's only 15 minutes, but actually it's quality time with something that I want to learn about. So I'm going to do a bit more of this online learning malarkey. Oh, look quite serious about that. Yeah. Yeah, good. Not quite sure what yet. <laughs> and it's, it's important to say that actually it doesn't have to be a big thing. Mm. It can just be 15 minutes when yeah. you need it. The important thing is to recognise that you need it yeah. and then act upon that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Annie, if somebody wanted your services, whether it be helping them with their style or their uh, life goals, how could they find you? So the best way to find me is on my website. So mm-hmm. that's www.annietaylorcoaching.co.uk. The okay. personal style isn't on there yet, right. but it will be eventually. I'm on Facebook. You can find me at Annie Taylor Coaching mm-hmm. and on LinkedIn, Annie Taylor. Okay. We'll put all of those uh, details in our show notes anyway, so people can just click on those to find you. Right, Adler's. That is all. Just an apology for the noise. We've discovered actually the noise is beneath us in the basement. (laughs) We've got no access to it. We can't find the workman, so that is why I'm afraid we've had to soldier on. But hopefully, it's not as loud on the recording as it is currently in my ears, in my headphones. What uh, homework are we taking away this week, Liz? Because Annie said a few things there that I think I could definitely focus on. Maybe doing a 24-hour the boxes. And looking at my time. Yeah, that's a good idea. We could do. Okay, we could yeah. do that. We could do that. Yeah. So yeah. we've got to do our 24-hour yeah. window. Yeah. I did something at the beginning of the year, actually, although I, and I've been trying to remember all through this interview, <laughs> the numbers. I looked at the whole year, thought, right, eight hours sleep a night, boom. Uh, 24 hours working for the pledge every week, boom. <laughs> how many hours I put to doing redshift, right. And I, and I whittled it down and I was like, right, how many hours have I got left to just do something for me? oh right not that many right okay so I just need to address that so and I put exercise in there I put you know my swimming I put all this stuff in there I can't remember the figures because because lockdown has probably changed the way I've worked mm. and done so many things but I am going to review it for next year because I remember thinking at the time that's quite a good way of me structuring my not just the, the 24 hour period but the whole year and realizing where am I wasting time and where am I claw back a bit more time scary when you start breaking it down like that though yeah. never mind 24 hours but a no, whole year i didn't include going to the toilet and <laughs> things like that but um no i did I, I had a whole long list of things that we do in there like yeah i'll find it i'll find it it's in one of my little notebooks okay. So thank you so much for coming in, Annie. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank it's you. It's been such a much. pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Good. Yeah, so we've been a bit disjointed with our, our noisy interruptions. Yeah, yeah. Next time we will be better. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Annie. You take care. You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy.